Go with me to Romans 1. In Romans, the first chapter, in the 15th verse, it said, As much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Everybody say it out loud. I'm not ashamed ashamed of the gospel gospel of of Christ. The gospel is the good news of all the good things that our good God has done for us in Christ Jesus. He said the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, verse 17. For therein, in the gospel of Christ, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. And looking also with me, please, in Mark, the 10th chapter, and verse 28, Mark 10 and 28, praise God, the peace of the Lord is here, there's healing in that peace. Remember the Lord told the woman with the issue, go in peace and be whole, there's healing in that peace. So just let it work on you all through the service, and let it work on you as you go back home tonight and lay in your bed, amen, let the healing peace Continue to work in you. In fact, you just need to say it out loud to release it even further. Say it out loud the power of God, the, power of God. the healing peace, the healing peace of, Jesus of Jesus is working in my body, in my body. and it'll work in me all night, work in me all and, night. All and all day tomorrow in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Things will be corrected. Things will be healed. In, infections will be stopped. Inflammations and swelling will go down. Hallelujah. A lot of stuff you didn't even know yet needed fixing. But it'll get fixed before you ever find out you had a problem. That's the way to get healed. Get healed before you knew you were sick. <laughs> Don't you love the Holy Spirit? In Mark 10, 28, Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed you. Verse 29, Jesus said, Verily I say to you, there's no man that's left house or brothers or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Now. Everybody say now. 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 Most of the church don't believe this, but we do. Now, in this time, houses. Is it God's will for you to have houses? Now, let me just stop right here. If you're not willing to give up a house for the gospel, you don't qualify for this verse. If you wouldn't leave your house to go do what God told you to do, you don't qualify for this. But if you're willing to do it, you didn't lose that house. You sowed that house and you're going to have more houses than you need throughout your lifetime. But you've got to be willing. I don't think this is emphasized enough sometimes. You've got to be willing to turn loose of what you got. For the gospel's sake. I know when Phyllis and I left our little mobile home. And our Vega. (laughs) And our 69 Chevy pickup. And my motorcycle and my hot rod. I thought we thought we had left everything in the world. That's all we had. To follow the call of God on our life. Looking back now. How pitiful it would have been to miss God over that little stuff. But did you know many people have not followed the plan of God because they had to turn loose of that? Well, then after 20 years in Tulsa and Broken Arrow, we the Lord had given us a, a, a ministry and we had a little office and we had a nice house that we had. It took us 20 years sowing and believing God to, to give us a house. 
and we actually had a, a little airplane and we had a little hangar to put it in and uh, we were enjoying the traveling ministry, wasn't looking for anything else and the Lord dealt with us, leave it and go to Branson. It's like starting completely over. It's like, you know, everything you've built up, we didn't know anybody here and and um, you couldn't even have a hangar at the little airport here and and uh, I remember one day, it would take us 20 years, the house that we had just gotten was something Phyllis really liked. And she wanted a nice kitchen. And we believed God, somebody supernaturally came up and didn't know what she was believing for and gave her the cash to build out her kitchen. She had just got it finished. And now we're going to leave. I just got my hanger. I don't know if you know anything about flying but getting a hanger is a big deal. You got your own hanger? We had to believe God for years for, to get that. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just human. I'm thinking, are we really going to do this? Are we really just going to leave everything and, and liquidate? We had to liquidate everything to do the next step. And, and I put my little hanger up for sale. It sold that day. Boom. I'm like, oh, man. It's gone. <laughs> And the Lord spoke, I remember I was shaving one morning, and all these things are going through my heart and mind. And the Lord said to me, he said, Keith, do you believe I'm able to do for you better than this? Do you believe I can do for you? Based on my, the house we got, plane we got, thing we had right now. I just I put the razor down and I said, yes, sir, I do. I do. And I'm through wavering. Thank you. I do believe it. So we left there. We had a real nice house and place, but we lived in a little rent house here that the water didn't work right in, and there were several issues with it, and you're starting from scratch, and yeah, golf balls used to hit it when I'm trying to study. (laughs) We were next to a golf course, and I'd be sitting there trying to study, and boom, (laughs) golf ball had hit, (laughs) and I didn't play golf. So it didn't inspire me, it just interrupted me. <laughs> but the Lord told us just a couple of weeks after we got here, he said, I'm going to give you the best of Branson. We didn't see how, but you're sitting in some of it. We got 70 something acres right here on the strip. We got a sign as big, as nice as anybody's. Is that right? He gave us the best of Branson. Phyllis and I live in a house at some of the best of Branson. The Lord built us an airport. We didn't have an airport. We had a little airport that was 3,700 feet with big boulders down on both sides. I landed on it one time in a jet. I said, not again. (laughs) Going somewhere else. So for a year and a half I drove. It was built with private money. This airport. Almost unheard of. Can God do anything you need? I know he didn't just do it for us. But it sure helped us. And can he do. But are you willing to turn loose? You got to be willing to turn loose. To move on up. And it takes faith. Because you don't don't see how you're going to get better than that. And you don't know where you're going to. Did Abraham go out? Not knowing where he was going. That's what faith does. Look at it again. I'm still talking about the gospel. If anybody, verse 29, if anybody, no man has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, or children of lands for my sake in the gospels, but he shall receive. Oh, we need to shout about this. He shall receive. Say it out loud. He shall receive. I shall receive now. In this time. This ain't the sweet by and by. This is not after we get to heaven. This is not over yonder. It's now. 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 
That's why you hear us say at Faith Life Church, we say, we're getting our houses and our buildings and our lands and our vehicles and our equipment. It's not about being materialistic. It's not about seeing how much stuff you can have. It's about having ability to do everything we need to do in this very short life before we get out of here. And not just stuff for us, stuff to give, to sow. I don't need all those houses. It's fun to get one and give it to somebody else. Nobody said you had to keep it all. Receive now in this time hundredfold. Hundredfold. Don't make fun of hundredfold. You're being real dumb to make fun of hundredfold. Because you're making fun of something the master said. Jesus, the head of the church, said this. Don't mock this. Don't make fun of this. Because you disqualify yourself from it if you do. He'll receive a hundredfold. And whether we know it or not, you need a hundredfold to do everything God's calling you to do. Now if you don't think so, you just haven't sought him enough. (laughs) Because he wants you to do a whole lot of stuff. And it's going to take that. To do it. And he said he'll receive. Houses. Brothers. Sisters. Mothers. Children. Lands. With. Persecutions. Not everybody's going to be happy. About your houses. And your lands. And all your friends. And all your extended. Holy Ghost family. And how blessed you are. How successful you are. How rich you are. Did I lose? I lost somebody right there. Didn't didn't lose you. Okay. (laughs) Jerome said you didn't lose me. (laughs) Here's the thing. Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to give? Are you willing to leave things for the gospel's sake? And to accomplish God's will. Here's the next thing. Are you willing to deal with the persecution that comes with the harvest? Because it will come. Jesus said it would. So it will come. And will you be intimidated or shamed by those trying to shame you and persecute you? Or will you be unmoved? And will you hold the standard high? And not compromise. And not hide. Not compromise what you believe. Not shallow. And weaken what you preach and teach. And not hide your blessing. When the Lord does something big for you. Something good for you. Do not be ashamed of it. And do not hide it. That includes preachers. I've, I've had preachers. Even of some large churches and some successful ministries. Tell me, oh Brother Keith, you know, don't, do you want to talk about that? Do you want to, you know, do you want to wear those shoes? (laughs) That watch, maybe you want to take that watch off. (laughs) I paid less for this watch than they did for their Timex. That's right, amen. I I paid nothing for this watch. (laughs) It was sown to me. (laughs) But if I had paid too much for it, what does that matter if I came by it the right way? Right? If I didn't lie, if I didn't steal, if I came by it the right way. Too many people. Hiding, uncomfortable, feeling the pressure of people trying to shame them. Shame is a tool of the devil. And it's a painful thing. It's connected to fear. The fear of what people will say. The fear of what people will think. The fear... That maybe somebody will stop supporting me. Selah. The fear of they might not invite me back. The fear. 
the fear. But identifying with the full blessing of the gospel and the harvest, including the hundredfold harvest, including houses and lands and all such things. The identifying with that will make you subject to mockery and judging and people assuming things about you. I know the first, I've always liked sports cars. Even in the South where we grew up, uh, my dad was a mechanic, my granddad was a mechanic. We didn't have money, so we just fixed stuff. (laughs) But, you know, after three generations, you pick up a few things about fixing things. And then when I did get some jobs and made some money, I bought some parts, speed parts. My dad gave me his 1970 Mustang with the bright yellow with the black stripes. Very cool. But it uh, lacked a little bit in the power department. It just had a small block and a three-speed, you know, kind of pedestrian. And uh, I, uh, I had a couple of jobs, and I worked a full-time job all through junior high and high school, and Phyllis did too. A lot of these young guys need to step up some. Yeah. Doing nothing, living at Mama's house. Yeah. 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 Twenty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> and. Uh, Man, we, uh, I fixed that thing up. I dropped a, you, you car guys appreciate this. I, I found a 351 Cleveland. Yeah, with a high rise and a four barrel. I found a, a top load of four speed. And we got this thing motivated and corrected. <laughs> and we had Camaros and we had, my cousins were racers and they were, they're quite good. Anyway, when I got into the ministry, I left my hot rod. I left my stuff. Did you hear that word? I left. I knew I I need to walk away from this. And I did. And it just sat at my folks' house. And we eventually sold it for parts. And I drove a little six-cylinder weakling (laughs) for years. (laughs) And Phyllis had a little four-cylinder that was even more pitiful. But, you know, we're focusing on the kingdom. And after a number of years, the Lord let me know, if you want a car, I don't mind you having one. How many understand, it's not the stuff, it's place in your life. If you think too much about it, you spend too much time with it, it's got too big of a priority, then uh, he doesn't like it. Not just because of the thing, but because you're giving it too much place. But anyway... We were able to get a brand new Corvette. And uh, some young guys in the neighborhood, uh, well, actually, the, one of the first trips we took in it, a little, little road thing, we, we stopped at a place, and these young guys came up, because it's real sharp looking. This is several years ago. And, and one of them said, uh, Hey, man, that's your car? I said, Yeah. And some other boys came up. He said, Man, that's cool. They said, What do you do? One guy said, He probably sells drugs. <laughs> I said, no, I don't sell drugs. The other guy said, he probably does drugs. And I said, no, no drugs, no drugs. And they kept guessing all this wild stuff. I said, I'm a preacher. And I mean, you could have heard a pin drop. They all stopped. They looked at me. I said, in fact, this Corvette's been to church so many times. When I go out of the driveway, it almost just turns towards church. But. Immediately you begin to see, one of them spoke and said, he probably does still sell drugs, you know. They're, they're thinking, you got to be a crook. Got to be a crook. Uh, another car I had, a sports car, I had it a great deal. It was used, it was second hand, and I got a great deal on it. It was yellow. It was see it two miles away yellow. Disrupt traffic yellow. It was <laughs> hurt your eyes yellow. It was, and uh, 
but I liked it. That's why I picked it. And, and uh, we were in a meeting, and I had driven to that meeting, and coming out of the meeting, and a brother was with me, and, and we had just kind of met, and we were walking out, and we got to the car, and I noticed he kept looking, kept looking, and I got to the car and opened the door. He said, Brother Key, is that your car? I said, yeah. He said, that's not you. I said, oh, it's me. <laughs> it's me. It's me. <laughs> what am I saying? Stereotypes and misconceptions. Much of the world has an idea about what a preacher ought to be and what a Christian should be. And you shouldn't be all that well dressed. And you shouldn't have an expensive car. And you shouldn't have a big house. That's for sure. Because if you do, it's obvious you're not very humble. And you're not very holy. You're not very consecrated. Because if you really were a man of God or a woman of God, you wouldn't care about all that stuff. And you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have it. And and how did you get it anyway? Yeah, probably stole a bunch of widow women's social security checks. And just a thought like that will come across people's mind and, and they'll just believe it. I mean, nobody even said it. There ain't a shred of proof of it, but the devil brought it across their mind and they go, yeah, that's probably it. You low down, sorry excuse for a human being. And because preachers know this, they prefer not to be lumped in together with what people perceive as charlatans, snake oil salesmen, want to project an image of respectability. And so we do not need a bright yellow Corvette. We need a dark brown sedan. (laughs) And not with the chrome wheels. (laughs) And so here's the thing. They are ashamed of the offerings. They are ashamed of hundredfold. They are ashamed of part of the gospel. Can you see this friend? And they are not willing. To suffer the persecution. Not willing to. To deal with what people will say. Hallelujah. I'm saying hallelujah. Because I'm thinking about. These folks sitting right over here. Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria Copeland. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, not ashamed to talk about a preacher having an airplane. Not ashamed to talk about having a big house. Not ashamed. And willing to stand and believe God for 10, 20, 30 years till it comes to pass. And not ashamed for people to know about it. Sow it, say it, talk about it. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Well, friends, you and I need to follow this example. Yes, we do. If you're ashamed of these things in your church, your people will be prevented from it. They will be restricted from having the things God wants them to have. He wants to give us richly all things to enjoy. He wants the world to see that you can love God and have 40 hot rods like Jerry Savelle. That you can love God and serve God all your life and have a fast jet like Kenneth Copeland or have an amazing house like Miss Gloria Copeland because the devil tells people and lies to them, if you really commit and serve God, your fun is over. Your success is over. You'll never have anything. You can't. Because that's not God's will. I had a young man sit across the desk from me some years ago. His father was a successful minister. 
And he had a call of God on his life and he knew it. He had grace. He had ability. But he looked at me and I tried to talk to him about it. He said, no. He said, now I grew up in the ministry. And I'm tired of being broke. And I'm tired of never having anything. And I'm not going to live that way. And I'm not going to make my wife and my family live that way. And he wouldn't hear it. Because he was convinced that in order to be in the ministry, you had to drive the ugly brown sedan (laughs) with a bent hubcap. (laughs) And you couldn't have a proper house. And you couldn't enjoy anything and you couldn't do anything. And he wasn't. Now, he was wrong for not being willing. He was wrong for that. But he believed a lie. Because the truth is, God's a good God. And he will pay you way more than what you deserve or what you would ever merit or earn. Way, way more. Way, 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 way more. But you got to be willing not only to obey him, you got to be willing to deal with the persecution. You got to be willing to know people are talking about you. Anybody remember Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. who's in heaven now talking about when the Lord Jesus appeared to him and told him he had called him and given him a special anointing to minister to the sick. You remember that? He said uh, the Lord told him, kneeled down in front of him and said he put his finger in the palm of each one of his hands. He said, I've called you. I've anointed you. Given you a special anointing to minister to the sick. And he went on. You know what Brother Hagin's response was? Please give it to somebody else. What? What would you do? You might say, well, give it to me, give it to me. That's because you don't know what it is. <laughs> give it to me. Give it to me. How many would take a billion dollars to do kingdom work? <laughs> I see some hands over here. Well, you should be willing, but you don't know what it is either. Because one thing, don't be shocked when you're all over the news tomorrow. (laughs) You'll get over it. (laughs) Go ahead and take the billion dollars. You'll get over it. Hey! You've heard the wisdom of the Lord. You'll get over it. Man, that's the word of the Lord right there. (laughs) If you are a sensitive child and it just hurts you so bad when people don't like you, get over it. Make a change and you'll get over it. Did people talk about Jesus? He said, if they heard my word, they'll hear yours. If they don't hear my word, they won't hear yours. In fact, I want you to go and look at a verse. I could quote it to you, but I want us to go look at it. In Mark, the eighth chapter, and verse 34, Mark 8 34. When Jesus had called the people to him with his disciples, he said to them, Whoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The cross is not a place of public glory. The cross is a place of public rejection and scorn and disdain. And mocking. What did they do to Jesus on the cross? They mocked him. They disdained him. They said he must be an evil man. Or God wouldn't let this happen to him. Taking up your cross. Means you're willing to endure. The same type of mockery. The same type of ill treatment. That he did. And follow me. Verse 35. For whosoever 
shall save his life, shall lose it. You try to save yourself from too much public scrutiny. You try to keep everybody liking you and not do anything to rock the boat. You won't be able to keep it. You'll lose it anyway. And you'll find out that that precious public opinion you try, you want, you thought you wanted is not worth anything. People are so fickle. They will love you today and crucify you tomorrow. And not even feel bad about it. I mean, you don't think it's such a big deal. For one thing, who are they? And what do they know? They're saying bad things about you and they don't even know you or anything that you've done, anything about the situation. Why would you let that bother you? You know how ignorant they are. Right? You know they don't know a thing in the world they're talking about. Who are they? What do their words matter? Who will remember what they're saying and doing? Not not even a century from now. Next week. We've let things get to us. Too quick. Too easy. And carried them too long. Well, they said this about me. It may have hurt my feelings. Well, that's because you're such a baby. We need to grow up. And when you grow up, you learn how to even endure hardness as a good soldier. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means endure hardness means you can deal with some stuff. You can deal with some stuff. Brother Hagin used to say, I've been criticized by experts. These little spurts don't bother me. (laughs) He said, if they told on me, I killed my own grandma. I wouldn't even take time to deny it. See, that's, that's growing up. That's developing. That's like Brother Kenneth said, not being moved. None of these things. Move me. Jesus said, whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, and what? And what? And the gospels, the same shall save it. Is it going to cost us anything to preach the gospel? Yeah, it is. It is. Is everybody going to like us? No, they're not. Is it going to cost us? When we support the gospel with all our heart, soul, mind, and finances, is it going to cost us when we reap big things from our big sowing? Yeah. But a lot of these folks don't even know God at all. What does it matter? Oh, other people may think it's a big, they may think, oh, did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they said? The Bible says, he that sits in the heavens laughs. When he sees the enemy scheming and doing his thing, never does the father go, oh my. Would you look at what the devil is, oh. Gabriel, Michael, have you seen this? Uh, the devil is scheming and he's working and he's lying and he is uh, uh, blaspheming and all this kind of stuff. And God looks at it and goes, <laughs> he never learns. He thinks he's going to be able to get, he never learns. How many understand you can't get ahead of God? You, there is no weapon. There is no scheme. There is no plan, nothing that can be effective against God. And you're his child. You're the apple of his eye. And if you're doing his perfect will, you are in the center of his hand. And nothing can pluck you from your father's hand. So what do you care? If ignorant people talk ignorance. And shamers shame. And haters hate. What do they know? If you're thinking right, you look down from where you're seated at the right hand of majesty. And you need big binoculars. 
And you can't even hear. From there, you can't even hear all the pitiful little stuff they're saying. In fact, you'll say, Lord, have mercy on them. They don't know what they're doing. And that is the truth. They don't know. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. They don't have a clue what they're doing. The devil is playing them like a pinball machine. They're just bouncing off of everything and their lifetime is winding out. And they're soon going to draw their last breath and not have a clue who they are, why they're here, what's going on. They're to be pitied. Not to be feared. And not to let them move you. And shame you. Keep reading. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Can you see the distinguishing? Why would you care what this sinful generation says? Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Jesus endured the cross, Hebrews 12 says, despising the shame. You know why he did it? He did it for you. He identified with you and me. And he let them take him. He let them scourge him. He let them jam that crown of thorns on his head. He let them beat and scourge him. He let them nail him to the cross. He let all the sins of mankind pour into his spotless, sinless being. And he let them jeer at him and mock at him and treat him like the worst criminal. Why? He completely identified with you and with me. Hallelujah. He didn't just sympathize with our sin. He became sin with our sin and the full brunt of the judgment of God fell on him in our place. Now, the Bible said it's our responsibility, I'm paraphrasing, not just that we believe on him, but also suffer for him. Have you read that? Why? Not talking about suffering from the curse of the law. Ain't talking about suffering being sick or being broke. We've been redeemed from that. It's talking about suffering persecution. Suffering for identifying with him. Suffering. And when you see the truth, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, in my words, in front of this wicked, adulterous generation, I'll be ashamed of you. Before the Father and his angels. This is, this is sobering. This is serious. When you know the truth, something ought to rise up in you. That you have made up your mind, I will never be ashamed of anything that Jesus said. Or anything that he did. I don't care what people think. Or what they say. I won't sit there. I won't be intimidated. I won't be silenced. Come on y'all listening. They can take my name off the list. They can disinvite me. They can do whatever they want to do. But I will not be ashamed of him. Or anything he said. And one of the things he said was hundredfold. Richly all things did you. He said a bunch of things. Person and by his spirit. Oh somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Go to Galatians please. 
Galatians 5. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something's happening in you. Something's happening in me. You know, Brother Hagin said on one of those visitations, the Lord taught him about prosperity and and sowing and reaping and, and, and angelic ministry involved in that. He said, the Lord said to him, I expect my people to have the best place in town to meet in. You believe that? Did the head of the church actually say that? See, most people wouldn't even believe that. He said, Jesus looked at him and said, I expect my people to have the best place in town to meet in. Well, if you do, you have the biggest, nicest place. You have marble in your bathrooms. You have chandeliers. Did I lose some? I lost somebody. (laughs) You have a big chandelier. You got big chandeliers. (laughs) You went too far there, Brother Keith. Did I now? Chandeliers are only for casinos. What we do is not important enough to have one, right? But you get the big place. You got the columns out front. Yeah. You got the marble. You got the chandelier. (laughs) They would talk about you. (laughs) They would talk about you. We got the place in uh, Sarasota. We hadn't even finished developing it. We made the front page. It said mega church. Swoops in. Scoops up. Prime property. I said say it again. Say it again. Mega church. I didn't, I didn't even thought it hadn't crossed my mind. I thought, yeah, say it, say it, say it. We had people that never had seen us show up because they saw it in the paper and just wanted to see what it was. A lot of them still with us. What the end, you know, you, you can't buy the front page for an advertisement. All free. Whole page. Biggest paper in the area. <laughs> they meant it for evil. They meant it for evil. Aren't you ashamed? Aren't you ashamed? Aren't you ashamed? No, I'm not. What have I got to be ashamed about? If I did something wrong, I should repent. But if this is the word of the Lord and this is the blessing of the Lord, you should be ashamed for confusing and judging and all that kind of stuff. But then you should repent and you don't have to be ashamed either. Say it out loud. Look at your neighbor. Help them out. Say, nicest place in town. Nicest place in town. He, he also said, and I believe it was that same visitation, he said, the Lord told him, he said, if you'll learn how to follow my spirit, I'll make you rich. What? If you learn how to follow my spirit, I'll make you rich. And he said, you know, he had thoughts. The Lord knew his thoughts. He said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. You believe the master actually said that? I do. I believe that's the words of the head of the church. If you learn how to follow my spirit, I'll make you rich. I'm not opposed to you being rich. I'm opposed to you being covetous. Because Colossians 3, 5 says covetousness is idolatry. It's something having a place in your life that only God should have. Money is a good tool. It's a terrible God. Make money serve you. Not you serve money. Thank you Lord. Where are you? Galatians 5 and 11. He said, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. It's always going to be something. If you don't go with the flow, the religious, traditional flow, 
then you're going to be persecuted. And what people were pressuring him to do was, you know, include keeping the law. Okay, if you want to add this to it, but you got to keep the law. He said, no. Saved by grace. Through faith. No works. Now, you know, we're used to that, but that was cuss words. No works? None. You mean not even something? None. No works? No works. This was a big deal. It rocked the whole thing. I mean, it sent reverberations through every synagogue, through everywhere. And he was persecuted. And people were offended at the cross and at the gospel. Is it still this way today? Does the cross still cause offense? And the preaching it cause offense and bring persecution? Still does. If you preach it. Galatians 6.12. Galatians 6.12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Why? It's a dishonest thing. Why are they so adamant about preaching this traditional message? Because they don't want to suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Did you know that the Bible tells us that number of the Jewish leaders saw that Jesus was the fulfillment of Scripture and believed he was the one, but they would not confess him publicly because they loved the praise of men more and they didn't want to lose their place. That's not something that just happened a long time ago. There are way too many preachers who were filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues and they will not preach it. There are way too many preachers. They believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but they won't acknowledge it and they won't talk about it. They're afraid of their group. They're afraid they'll lose their pastorship. They're afraid they'll lose their papers. 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 You know what's going to happen to them papers real soon? They're going to burn. When you get to glory, you get to heaven, they will not ask you for your papers. <laughs> Neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. They want you in their camp. They want to lord it over you. But God forbid. Somebody say God forbid. That's, that's a strong affirmation. God forbid that I should glory. Save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. By whom the world is crucified to me. And I to the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you think Paul cared a lot about what this world thought about him and said about him? He did not. And something that the scripture says, and in closing I think, that I wondered about for some years and then began to see what the Lord was saying about it. 1 Timothy 2.15. Excuse me. Titus 2.15. He said, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Read that last phrase with me. Let no man despise you. Years ago I read that and I thought, well, how can I keep somebody else from despising me? Can't control what they think or what they say. Here it is. I don't have to receive it. Just because they decide I'm not right or I'm not important, I don't have to let them cause me to see myself through their skewed filter. I don't have to take the nothing value they assign me. Because I know Whose I am. 
And I'm persuaded. Hallelujah. I know. Hallelujah. The truth. And it's made me free. And the value of this word that we carry. And the value of the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the bondages. Hallelujah. And so you can refuse. Just like we heard earlier. None of these things move me. Well, I don't have to let anybody despise me. You can think what you will. But I don't have to accept the shame. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. I've, I've made mistakes I wouldn't like just broadcast. Just like you. But if you found out some mistakes that I made. You can't make me ashamed. I'm either forgiven or I'm not. I'm either clean or I'm not. I'm either made righteous or I'm not. Come on, are you with me? You messed up on this. You did that. Yeah, but I repented. Repent includes changing. Come on, are y'all with me? And I believe I receive complete forgiveness. And I believe I receive complete cleansing. And I believe I receive being made the righteousness of God in Christ. So you can't make me ashamed. Oh, did you hear? You you can't make me ashamed. I'm either righteous or I'm not. I'm either clean or I'm not. I'm either forgiven or I'm not. And I am. And I am. And I am. And I am. And it's got nothing to do with my perfect work or action. I tell you, there's no room for glorying of the flesh. There's no room for boasting. It's all the glory to Him. Hallelujah. He's done it all. But I'm not ashamed. Somebody say praise God. Stand on your feet everybody. That's enough for now. Oh praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.